See, so I love your shirt. Did I see you wearing shorts? Or did you ride a chicken in here? Right? <laughs> shorts are kind of curious, curious, curious. Man, I tell you, my, you don't ever want to see my legs, so trust me. That's why, that's why I got this belly. I don't want to see my legs. It's that bad. Okay. Thursday morning, uh, I try to every morning. Sometimes things come up, but I try to come over here at the church every morning, spend time in prayer. I look forward to it. I need it. And uh, Thursday morning, I guess it's around 5.30 or something like that. I try to get here before daylight. And I was riding my little bike with the sidecar. Well, I left the house and come up here and stopped at the red light and just sitting there. Didn't, I had the red light and uh, saw a car coming down there. Got ready to pull out and all of a sudden the bike went off. I mean, everything shut down for no reason. Lights went off, everything just blew. And I thought, that's never happened before. And I reached over and tried to start nothing. Not, not a thing. Now, I reached over and thought, there's a car behind me. I thought, why don't you come on around me? I'm having network difficulties. He, he, he or she did, and they stayed there. And all of a sudden, right before it started, there was a car ran a red light right in front of me, come right by, and I said, thank you, Lord. Because uh, if, if I had pulled out, because I saw the car coming, I thought, well, they got a red light. But uh, apparently, they either went to Science Hill or David Crockett. I don't know, <laughs> I don't know which. That color thing's difficult. <laughs> Sorry, Jerry, I, I couldn't have. Boone's Creek. <laughs> We're still, you know how we count at Boone's Creek? One, two, Dale Earnhardt, four. <laughs> But that's one of those things, and it, it never done that since. Uh, you know, it's like a fellow wrote a book, said, I don't have enough faith to be an atheist. Uh, I don't care what you think, but I know that was the Lord saying, uh, it ain't time for you yet. And he, he just shut it down. I mean, it didn't sputter, it didn't flicker, it just went boom. And it's not done it since. And I know, I know when that car came by right in front of me, right through that red light, not in the far lane, but right in the lane uh, I would have pulled out on. Thank the Lord. I call it His unseen hand. And I dare say probably everybody in here has a story, a situation that you can look back on and say, that had to be the Lord. There's no other explanation other than God's unseen hand. If you have your Bibles with you, turn over here to Isaiah chapter 46. Isaiah 46, verses 9 and 10. Remember the former things of old, for I am God, and there is none else. I am God and there is none like me. Verse 10 of Isaiah 46. Declaring the end from the beginning 
And from ancient times the things that are not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand, and I will do all my pleasure. May God bless that reading and hearing of it to our hearts and have a moment's word of prayer. Father, again, in the name of Jesus, do we come into your holy presence. Thank you for letting us be here. Thank you for your holy, inspired, and errant, infallible word. Thank you for the love of God that shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. For these things we ask and pray in Jesus' precious name. And all of God's children said, Amen. Amen and Amen. I don't know if you realize or not, particularly if you are a child of God. History. History is studying God's providential plans. Do you ever think about that? I always liked history. My, I got a grandson that's he's uh, majoring in history. In fact, praise God, he got on. It was two weeks ago. We, he was on the dean's list, and he's going to be. He wants to be a history teacher. He's he's a, he's a sharp young man. He knows his history too, and he's a very strong Trump supporter. I got a great grandson, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, but when we study history. You're looking what God has done in His providential will throughout time, just like we read here in Isaiah 46. He knows the end from the beginning, and those things that transpired were things that were in accordance with His perfect plan. Now, you may say, even the bad things, let me tell you, God doesn't cause bad things to happen, but He will allow it to bring about His perfect will. In Romans, the ninth chapter, God is going over His sovereignty, His uh, unseen hand over a situation. He said, he said for, for this reason was Pharaoh even born. For this reason. So that I, my glory, my power, my plans would be revealed. And everything that God had prophesied in the Old Testament is just about completely filled. Even to the minutest nuance, the minutest detail. Demonstrating God's hand working in our lives. Look at Acts chapter 15, verse 18, if you would, please. Acts chapter eight, 15, verse 18. I put these little, Linda had these little arrow things to stick them so I don't lick my fingers. You know how I'm bad about that. But I can't remember where I stuck them. <laughs> See this? They're just stuck in there, but I don't know what to go to. <laughs> I can't remember. Acts 15 and verse 18. Known unto God are all his works from the beginning of the world. You see, that's what history is. Um, Linda's brother's on the uh, Washington County School Board. He uh, called me this past week. He said, uh, he said, Vic, I, I might not be smart enough about this. And I started interrupting him. I said, go ahead. It was you, but I didn't. It was nice. And so but he said, uh, he had a parent to call him and say, uh, my child, I kind of got the impression he was in middle school, and you know, pretty much what you, in middle school here, said the father called me, he said he was upset that uh, they were teaching her in history uh, about Islam, the five pillars of Islam, and the history of Islam. And I said, yeah, that's what you call your common core program that's being introduced into schools right now. He said, well, I don't like it. And he said, uh, I don't understand it. So Linda ran him off a bunch of literature on what exactly is being taught and what Islam's about. And I said, well, he said, well, I'm going to bring it up at the meeting. What is it, Tuesday night? 
He said, I want to bring it up that this isn't right if we can't have things about Christianity while we have things about Islam taught. And I said, here's what you need to do, Mike. You tell them the very thing you said, but add one other thing. Why can't we study the Bible as literature? You're not propagating any particular denominational bias. If we can study Islam for history, we can study Christianity's history. Christianity has more impact on the civilization of mankind than any other religion. And so if one is outlawed, then they all need to be outlawed. You see, when you look in history, as like George Washington said, George Washington said that anybody who looks at the founding of this nation and cannot see God's sovereign hand in the affairs of this country are blind to the things of God. On Christmas Day, on Christmas Day after the Declaration of Independence, George Washington and his men, 2,400 of them, was held down in Trenton. The British soldiers had them surrendered, and it was just a matter of going in and taking if they had the Revolutionary War would have been over. But all of a sudden, a huge storm come up out of nowhere to the point that the Delaware River had frozen, uh, frozen over, a river that had normally been a, a strong rushing, 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 not rushing, but rushing river had come up to the point that the British said, we don't have nothing to worry about. In fact, uh, the, the uh, uh, general of the British forces called the Americans, it almost sounded like a, a Biden the other night, said uh, they're just country clowns. Said those country clowns, have no, we don't have anything to worry about. And God called snow and hell and high winds and everything. And God laid it on George Washington's heart, they're not expecting you. This is the time to attack. But how do you move 2,400 men across a river that is a nothing but an ice flow? And here's something else that George Washington, nobody else can explain. George Washington had three units, and only one unit was able to make it across the Delaware River. The British did not think that there is no way that they were going to attack, first because of how severe the weather. But not only that, a group of patriots came out of nowhere that were not with Washington and nobody knows where they came from. They came out of the woods and attacked the front of the British army and escaped back into the woods. So the British thought that's America's, uh, the Patriots attacking. We don't have to worry about anything. They've hit us and they've gone back. Washington, nobody, anybody knew who these Patriots were or where they came from. And so the, since it was Christmas, the British we're in their drunken revelry. Revel, what the heck is wrong with me? Today? <laughs> Condition. <laughs> and uh, they didn't even have guards out there. Somebody sent a note, sent a note in English that it's probably a good chance that the Patriots are going to attack tonight. But the, 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 the ones who had them captive were the Hessians. The Hessians. These were German mercenaries that the British had who were actually on the front line of, of where Washington would attack. And so when the letter came, uh, letting the, the British forces know that there's a good chance that you may come under attack tonight, there wasn't any of them to read English. 
<laughs> and all of a sudden, George Washington was able to get, and they still can't figure this out. They've tried to reenact it and everything. He got 2,400 of his men across the Delaware River. They walked through the snow, most of them not even having shoes, and bloody feet, nine miles. And within a matter of about 90 minutes, they defeated the British. If it hadn't been for the storm, if it hadn't been for God's providence, we may not be uh, saluting the American flag today. You see, that's God's unseen hand. God's providence. I want you to look at the book of Esther. The book of Esther. If you ever want to study about the first beauty pageant, read the book of Esther. But turn over here to the book of Esther. I want you to see something. If you don't mind, chapter 6. Now, you might have to go to the table of contents because even after all these years, I'll have to flip through there to find that little book before you get to Psalm, before you get to Job, and right before that, then you'll start seeing Esther popped up. Esther, chapter 6. Esther, chapter 6. Esther was the king's beautiful bride. She was Jewish. As a result... A man in the king's court by the name of Haman hated Esther and particularly hated Esther's uncle, Mordecai. Oh, he wanted Mordecai dead. In fact, Haman had ordered that scaffolding would be built because when Haman came through town, or, yeah, Haman came through town, everybody would stand in recognition. Mordecai wouldn't stand. He hated him. He hated him so bad because he showed disrespect to Haman. And so he wanted to have him uh, uh, hung, executed, because he wouldn't stand when Haman would go through town. Mordecai would just, you know, blow him off like he, I don't stand for you. You're nobody. I'm a Jew. I always stand and pray, pray to God Almighty. So he had these scaffolding built. Well, all of a sudden, here in chapter 6, starting with verse 1. On that night could not the king sleep. And he commanded to bring the book of records of the chronicles, and they were read before the king. And it was found written that Mordecai had told of the Brightna and the Teresh, two of the king's chamberlains, the keepers of the door, who sought to lay hands on King Ahasuerus. Hold on, I'm going to try to turn the page here without licking my fingers. I'll tell you, I'll be glad this virus is over so I can lick fingers again. And the king said, What honor and dignity hath been done to Mordecai for this? Then said the king's servant that ministered unto him, There is nothing done for him. And the king said, Who is in the court? Uh, Haman was coming to the outward court of the king's house to speak unto the king to hang Mordecai on the gallows that he had prepared for him. And the king's servant said unto him, Behold, Haman standeth in the court. And the king said, Let him come in. So Haman came in, and the king said unto him, What shall be done unto the man whom the king delighteth to honor? Now Haman thought in his heart, To whom would the king delight to honor more than to himself? And Haman answered the king, For the man whom the king delighteth to honor, Let the royal apparel be brought, and the king uses to wear and the horse that the king rideth upon and the crown royal which is set upon his head and let that apparel and the horse be delivered to the hand of the one the king's most noble princes that they may array that man with all whom the king delighteth to honor and bring him on horseback through the street of the city 
and proclaim before him, Thus shall it be done to the man whom the king delighteth to honor. Then the king said to Haman, Make haste and take the apparel and the horse and thou saidest, and do even so to Mordecai the Jew that said, <laughs> that said it at the king's gate let nothing fail of all that thou hast spoken <laughs> God has sent the universe people I'm telling you but see that's God's unseen hand King Herasmus could not sleep God would not let him rest God woke him up and he got something on his mind he could not escape that's God's unseen hand so many times, I, I wish I could sleep like I used to sleep. I, I don't sleep good anymore. But I don't necessarily detest it, and I'll tell you why. Because if I have been sleeping, and I wake up, and I, you know, with those times you can't get back to sleep, I think, maybe God wants me to pray for somebody. And so different people come to my mind, I start praying for them. I don't know, may never hear anything in particular. And sometimes, like the next day or a day or two, all of a sudden, that person will call and say this, that, or the other. never ceases to absolutely amaze me. You see, God has his ministering spirits, his angels. Do you realize, talking about God's unseen hand, do you ever get a chance you need to read Billy Graham's book, Angels? In Billy's, Billy Graham's book, Angels, Messengers of God, there were numerous pilots during World War II that when they would be having dogfights or bombers and, and, and uh, the Luftwaffe would, would come up and start shooting down the bombers uh, in World War II, that there was other pilots who would see that inside of the cockpit of these bombers, the pilots had been shot dead, knew that they were shot dead. And yet there would be glowing figures inside those planes still piloting on their course. Billy Graham and so many in history said, they had no doubt it was God's angel. You see, we know that so many of these little liberal liberals right now detest the United States. They, they hate it when we talk about American exceptionalism. But just like so many of great men and patriots in, in our history have seen unmistakably God's hand working on a country, a nation that was founded upon Judeo-Christian principles. Do you realize our Constitution of the United States is completely based upon biblical principles? That's God's unseen hand. The Constitution of the United States in many ways is so uh, in relationship to the Bible that it almost preaches the gospel of Christ. God's unseen hand. Do you realize, I know you know from history, that the uh, uh, pilgrims, pilgrims left, uh, actually some of them left some Scandinavian countries, came to England trying to find religious freedom, couldn't find it, and so many of the, most of them what they call, you call Anabaptists, uh, in England, there was actually laws that they, you couldn't preach unless you were recognized by the government. And so these pilgrims uh, chartered a boat called the Mayflower. They came to the United or towards the United States. They came towards the North American continent. It was around 1620, and all of a sudden they had a particular point that they wanted to go to, which today would be be understood as around Long Island or New York. But terrible, unbelievable winds and storms came up and blew them many miles off course. And they landed in a place called Plymouth. 
if you want to. <laughs> Limit Rock. And he thinks, oh, what's the big deal? I'll tell you what the big deal was. Had they had landed at the destination that they wanted. Now you got to remember, these were people who were escaping religious persecution and went to preach the Bible where they weren't allowed to in England. They wanted to preach the Bible, believe the Bible. They wanted to have their own colonies, if you will, that could make decisions, spiritual decisions for themselves without the government trying to tell them how to believe. If they had landed where they initially wanted to land it, the Native Americans in that area had all been wiped out except for a few by plague. Had they landed where they wanted to, they would have not survived. Here's, the, here's what's really, really a strange thing. Where they landed at Plymouth Rock, they happened to meet a Native American there that most of his tribe uh, had been those who had been wiped out. This particular Native American, now imagine now, you're talking about times where this is wilderness. They happen to land to a place, and this particular Native American, I believe his name is Sakona. Huh? I thought somebody said, I believe it's pretty, pretty much Sakona. All of a sudden, he comes walking out of the woods and uh, walks up to the pilgrims and say, Hey, what's happening? <laughs> well, he didn't put it that way, but basically the same thing. Here was a Native American who spoke perfect English. A weird captain had, a, had a kidnapped him when he was little, took him to England. He had been educated in England. Makes you think about uh, uh, Danny Boone guy was on there. What was his name? Mingo? Mingo? Anyway, another town. Huh? Mingo. That's what it was. Mingo. This is no joke. He had been educated in England, was able to get back to his homeland in North America. He met these pilgrims who landed at a place that was not where they wanted, but where they needed to be to keep from dying of a plague. And he was able to correspond and, and be an intermediary between them and those local Native Americans. Also showed them how to plant food and how to live in this new world. That's God's innocent hand. He said, because God had a plan that these pilgrims and their descendants, wasn't mean that life's going to be easy here, but God had a plan, his unseen hand, to guide this nation. This, this has been the richest nation in the world. We have done more to send forth missionary help than any nation in the world. We have done more to help the underprivileged than any nation in all of history. That's why it, it blows my mind the people who want to destroy America and can't see God's hand working in the, in the situations and the affairs of man. Over in Nahum, that's another one of them little uh, hidden, if you want to turn to it, I, uh, I'll uh, wait on you. But if you'll turn over here to Nahum, Nahum, it's in the Minor Prophets. If you don't want, want to, I'll just read it to you. Here in Nahum chapter 1, verse 3. The Lord is slow to anger and great in power and will not at all acquit the wicked. The Lord hath his way in the whirlwind and in the storm and the clouds are the dust of his feet. Now get, remember that. Now I want you to look over, if you will, to Exodus chapter 23 and verse 28. 
Exodus, Genesis, Exodus, Exodus chapter 23 and verse Exodus chapter 23. Hold on a second here. This little thing's stuck my pages together. Exodus 23 and verse 28. Is that, did I say that right? Yeah. Exodus 23 verse 28. Now look at this. And I will send hornets before thee, which shall drive out the Hivite, the Canaanite, and the Hittite from before thee. When we read over Nahum, God says, I'll use the wind, the dust, the soil to bring about whatever it takes. What I've already created, I'll use that to bring about my perfect will. And over here in Exodus chapter 23, verse 28, he told the children of Israel when they, before they went in to take the promised land, said, look, you don't have to worry about being great fighters. I'll, I'll take hornets. I'll take the hornets and I'll drive them out before you. God will use whatever he has in his unseen hand to direct you where he wants you to go, to put you in situations he wants you to be put in, to put you in, in, in relationship to other people that you can be a, a witness, an ambassador for Christ. His unseen hand is working in your lives not just to protect you, but to guide you how to serve him. Again, going back to George Washington, they were surrounded again on what is known today as Long Island. And it didn't look good for them. And again, Washington knew if he could get them across the river or actually the sound that they would be safe. Another storm came up during the night. The British were going to wait till morning to come in and get them. A storm came up in the, in the middle of the night. And while that storm was on one part of where Actually, in front of the Patriots, Washington was able to take flatbed boats, make numerous trips, transporting his soldiers across this watery sound. And then in the morning when the storm had passed, he caused it, God caused it to fall to such an extent that the British couldn't see but inches in front of them. But on the other side of that fog, the Patriots had clarity and was able to go across. God will use whatever he wants to use to bring about his perfect will. Another historical point. I know you've heard about the War of 1812. Remember, in 1776, we had a declaration of independence from Great Britain, and we had the Revolutionary War, and America won that. But in 1812, what is that, 20, 30 years later, the British tried again. And then I realized the British tried again to take the colonies. They thought it'd be easy. They thought, we're going to attack in Washington, D.C. And we'll burn down the, the Capitol buildings and every other building in there. I want you to check this out in history. Don't take my word for it. So the British attacked Washington, D.C. They had set fire to buildings. This just blows my mind every time I think about it. The night that they had set fire to these different bills, even to the Capitol bill. There was a storm and winds came up like never before. And all of a sudden, check it out, don't take a word for it. What hit in Washington, D.C. was a tornado. And the tornado was so bad, it picked up the British, British cannons and threw it upon the British troops. And people say that this is not an exceptional country. Check it out. I want you to check it out. Check it out. Get home. 
do your uh, interface thing or whatever it is you do. And, and look, check it out. Check out what I'm saying. Never take my word for it. And how that storm of 1812, God's unseen hand said, oh, no, no. I'm doing a work here. You, you get your, your uh, crumpet-eating backsides all, all across the, the water there, you know? What was those things he liked to start me to death on? Scones. Scones. <laughs> they like to start me to death on scones. They ain't nothing but a pitiful excuse for a biscuit with some fruit on it. Scones. Would you walk another scone? No, I didn't want the first one. Got any gravy? Maybe I'll kill the taste of some gravy. Something of that nature. God's unseen hand is at work all around us. God's word tells us if we could see the battle that goes on around us, that we'd be amazed of the warfare of God's angels, His ministering spirits, who are fighting to protect us from those, those forces of darkness. And I'm not talking Biden's wintertime. And how God's unseen hand is protecting us all the time. When he tells us of the smallest bird that falls, when he knows of our down-sitting and our uprising, he knows our thoughts are far off. It absolutely boggles the mind. When you, when you read history, tell your kids if they say, I hate history. Say, hate history? History is watching what God has done from the beginning of time. In Proverbs chapter 21, verse 1, look at this, if you would, please. Proverbs chapter 21, verse 1. I'm get over here to it without licking something. Proverbs 21. I to get them little, little things stick more than one page together on there. 21, verse 1. The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. Look at that. I want you to look at it again. The king or president or leader heart is in the hand of the Lord as the rivers of water. He turneth it whithersoever he will. These great leaders think they've come up with this out of the other, whether it's good or what have you. God determines. He puts the thoughts in their mind. He determines. You say, well, what about Adolf Hitler? One of the most amazing things, if you look back in the book of Deuteronomy, you'll see blessings and curses that were to come upon the children of Israel. Blessings if they followed the Lord and did what they were supposed to, curses if they didn't. And if you will look at every one of the curses, if they denied the Lord, and they compare that with what happened to the Jews in World War II, it'll blow your mind. It's the same thing. Now, I'm not saying that uh, God caused that to happen, but God will allow to bring about his perfect will. To bring about his perfect will. We see right now, I want you to take listen closely to this. In Romans 13, God's word says that he will raise up the leaders that he wants to raise up and the laws that he wants established and I tell you what, I, I have been praying fervently, God, please, don't let that socialist, don't let that lie, don't let that, that sorry excuse 
and I'm not talking Trump, so you figure out what I'm talking about, become president or that extreme socialist, communist uh, vice president. I'll tell you what, parenthetical statement here. I believe they want to push uh, Biden through and they'll themselves get rid of him so that that uh, Harris will be the president. And you can say, bye-bye, America. Bye-bye. That's as, that's as clear as the nose on your face. If he is allowed to win, it'll be devastating. But realize this, that will be definitely the beginning of the very end. Look up because your redemption draweth mine. Because you can see right now all the great uh, rallies and everything that Trump has, all the sentiment, but it could be stolen from him. And if, it, if it's put such a way that uh, the one that we want to get elected, one who would hold his Bible up, the one who, uh, like he said two weeks ago, he, somebody said he was the most popular man in the world. He said, oh, no, no, no. Not even close. Jesus Christ is. Here's a man who said that. So therefore, he can't be the Antichrist because the Antichrist will deny Jesus and the deity of Jesus. We see the Pope is having a good time trying to do that, by the way. Check that out. Check that out. It is absolutely amazing. So if he wins, because we know that God has the power to raise up or to uh, uh, crash down or put down. If indeed Trump is not awarded re-election, don't get, try not to get too upset. It's part of God's providential plan that's getting ready to unfold. And in my heartfelt belief, it's like get your affairs in order, we're going home. Because that will definitely be the beginning of the tribulation. Trust me. Write it down. Hold me accountable to it. I hope and pray that it won't be now. It'll come about sooner or later. I'm telling you right now, history is God unfolding his perfect, perfect plan. I want you to look over here, if you will, to Psalm 31. We're in Proverbs. I want you to look at Psalm 31. Two minutes. Do what, Matt? Two minutes. How many minutes? One now. <laughs> 20 minutes? Is that Psalm, huh? Psalm 31. And let's look at verse 15. My times are in thy hand. Deliver me from the hand of my enemies and from them that persecute me. Acts 17 tells us that God had determined before the foundation of the world when and where you would live. His time, your time are in his hand. You're here now. You're held responsible for the things that a Christian is supposed to be responsible for. A child of God, a missionary, an ambassador of Christ is to be held accountable for. It's in your, your respons responsibility to act accordingly. If not, somebody else's blood will be held at your hands according to Ezekiel 3 and also 33. We are put where we are to, to be about the Lord's business. Our times are in his hand. I love what John chapter 10 verse 28 tells us. God's word says, my sheep know my voice and my sheep know me 
and no one is able to pluck them from my Father's hand. We are in his hand. He determined our times, our geographical location and boundaries. And he knows exactly what's going on in the world right now. So what we need to do is be about the Lord's business. Being what we're supposed to be in this spiritual battle. Because it's a spiritual battle, people. It's not Democrat, Republican. It is a spiritual battle. And to realize that maybe some of the things that happen to you is God having uh, intervention in your life to save you from something. It's just, for example, I know you've heard this before. Say, i got five more minutes. No. Um, Zero. How many times have you been caught in some kind of traffic deal and you go, I'm going to be late and raise came? Had you gone up a little further, you might have been the one who was involved in the middle of that wreck or something. God's unseen hands. All things work together for good to those who love God and who are the called according to His purpose. Let's stand for your prayer. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come into your presence. We thank you indeed for your unseen hand. We thank you for the love of God that is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for glorious, precious gospel of salvation. And Father, I pray that if anyone here today is blind to the unseen hand, that you would remove that veil from their eyes, that they would see your hand at work in each and everyone's lives, and that they would pray this prayer I'm about to pray. Dear Jesus, forgive me of all my sins. Come into my heart and save me. I receive you as my Lord and my God and my personal Savior. Holy Spirit, please fill me to overflowing. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. While Jeannie is playing this invitation, if you pray that prayer, please come to the front. right now is the news media. They have determined what we can hear, what we can't hear. They determine the facts. The scariest thing that's going on right now is the fact that they are acting as a communistic country determining what we are allowed to hear 
and, and the effort to report an unbiased news. Uh, it's scary, scary times. Good to see each and every one of you here. Please be careful in the upcoming days. And let's close in prayer. Father, in the name of Jesus, again, we come into your holy presence to thank you for this time together, to thank you for the, the beauty of your holy, inspired, and errant word. And Father, I pray now that you keep us from going out and coming in and bring us back safely to point in time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Services will be online tonight and Wednesday night. Lord, we'll see you here next Sunday.